pray for me. I'm trying to pray. All right. Father, we thank you this evening. We appreciate you for another time in your presence. In your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures evermore. We thank you. We express our heart to you this evening. We thank you for your love and kindness every day. We thank you for your mercy that has brought us through. We celebrate your presence. Ah. 
Regardless of a situation, he's been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am faithful, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my day, I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up, from the moment that I wake up, till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. You have led me through the fire. Darkness lights. You, you are close like no other. I've known you, Father. I've known you as a father. Yes, Lord. I've, I've known, known you as a friend. And, and I have lived in the goodness of God. Oh, and all my life you have been faithful. 
tell him one more time, I love your voice. I love your voice. You have led me. You have led me to the fire in darkness night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I've known you as a friend. And I believe. And I have believed in the goodness of God. All my life, and all my life, you have been faithful. Oh, all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath, with every Of the goodness of God, I will sing. I will sing of the goodness of God. I choose to sing of the goodness. I will sing of the goodness of God, and I will sing of the mercy of the Lord. And I, I will see all the mercies of the Lord forever. I will see all the mercies of the Lord. With my mind will I make no no with my mind. Will I make no With my mouth will I make known. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness through
Father, this evening we just want to thank you for helping us. Thank you for how our week has gone. And thank you for the remainder of our week, how we are assured that you will keep us. Father, we just want to bless your holy name. We want to exalt you. Thank you for this evening's uh, teaching and sharing and study. We thank you because you help us. You give us a mind of understanding to be able to comprehend your word and to be able to, do, to be doers at the end of the day. Your Holy Spirit will help us and guide us and lead us. It's who we crave this evening to be able to uh, walk side by side in us with us. Father, we bless you and we give you praise. Thank you for keeping us. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. Amen. Good evening, everybody. I just want to appreciate you for joining us again this evening for uh, our uh, midweek referral service. Um, we want to appreciate everybody on our platforms, all the platforms that we have uh, here, our YouTube channel, our website, our uh, Facebook channel, and um, all the other channels that we have. Please, we want you to understand that we are coming to you because we want to keep in touch with you. We want to maintain this standard of fellowship that we are having with you. Because in times like this, it was when David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And right now we are going to the house of the Lord in our various rooms, in our various homes, in every way we can. So um, this evening my intention is to continue with um, what we studied on Sunday morning, and that is uh, what we need to do when life makes no sense. And we know that currently life does not make any sense because uh, the, the normal, things that we think are normal, things that we have taken for granted have become so important now. Um, I, used to, I used to be of the opinion that I'm introverted. I don't like going out. I don't like uh, doing things. I can sleep in my house and this thing. But now, I see myself wanting to go out every time because there's a rule now that said I shouldn't go out. So, so, so um, yeah, life makes no sense because my normal has been upturned, all right? And I know for many of us, our normal, you know, have been upturned. And uh, there's just confusion and chaos. But we just want you to know that in the midst of all this confusion, in the midst of all this chaos, there's still a God that is a rock. The Bible says, as a mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. I want you to know that. I want you to be confident of the fact that God is around you, God is surrounding you, God is for you. He said he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. And God knows that we have shortcomings. He knows that life does not make sense now. And he said it, he's promised you that I will be with you always. In other words, I will not be on vacation. When life does not make sense, I will still be there. When it makes sense, I will be there. I am there always. I am consistent with you. And his faithfulness is something we can really, really rely on. But anyway, I just uh, uh, quickly want to, um, want to do a, a review of what uh, we, we studied, we talked about on Sunday. And uh, we started with the life of Jesus. How that in a space of less than a week, he went from being a hero to a criminal. He went from being uh, uh, somebody who had gallants all over his, you know, all over his uh, body and, and people praising him and all of that. He went from that point to becoming uh, uh, somebody who had a crown of thorns. 
So what I'm saying in essence is that life can take a turn like that. But because life has taken a turn from what we know it is, does not stop us from still being fruitful and productive the way God wants us to be fruitful and productive. So we, we, uh, we went ahead and said that, you know, when things are not going right, when life doesn't make sense, yeah. it creates uh, uncertainty. It creates a loss of control and it creates a vacuum. And that vacuum is we don't like vacuum as human beings. We don't like a loss of control of our lives and we don't like uncertainties. That's not how we are designed. We are designed to be in charge. We are trained to be in charge. But now life sometimes happens and that is taken away from us. We are trained to pretend we're in control, all right? But coronavirus is letting us know that no matter how much you pretend, there are sometimes that life will not be in your, under your control. And vacuum, that's, that's one thing that I want to really hit on. A lot of times when there's vacuum, because we're humans, we, uh, the human condition does not allow us to understand that sometimes vacuums are the makings of God. And when there are vacuums, it is time God wants you to, it is, it is a time that God actually wants you to live by faith. Because a lot of times when we have everything all made up, everything all together, guess what? We cannot live by faith. Because he said, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And a lot of times we want to walk by sight because we want to have everything together. What am I saying? When God, when life does not make sense, it's an opportunity that God has given us to live and walk by faith. And until we get to that point where we understand that vacuum sometimes is all a program of God. It's part of the program. It's part of the package. So that we can rely on God, we can depend on God to fill in the vacuum for us. Then we begin to walk in the flesh. And that's why, like I told you on Sunday, we saw and we see it because there's vacuum of knowledge. Because people don't know completely what is going on. So guess what? We are filling those vacuum. We are putting things that we think it is. And because of that, we are, you know, people are just saying all kinds of crazy things. And for me, I have shut myself away from some of these things that are going on all over the place. Because they, sometimes some things, you even see some things that are going on and you are like, how in the world does this make sense? But when we try to make sense of life, when, we, when the opportunity does not give us, when the conditions does not allow us to make sense of life, we can become, we can accept a, something that does not make sense to fill in the vacuum as long as we can just put everything together. But what I'm saying today is that sometimes vacuum are a blessing from God. When life does not make sense, it's a blessing for God to help us to really try out the fact that we are living by faith, not by sight. All right? So we, we, we went on to say that, uh, to, to, to discuss two things that Jesus did. We looked at two things from the life of Jesus during his time of crisis. In fact, in, 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 in Matthew 26, there was a place. He said, my heart is full of sorrow. My heart is crushed. It is full of sorrow. But as he said that, we saw him going into isolation, which is what I call the Selah moment. We saw him go into that point where he was able to separate himself. Even though his soul is crushed, we saw him go into that situation. So what am I telling you this, this uh, evening? I'm telling you this evening that even though things don't make sense, you're afraid, your heart is crushed, there is uncertainty, there is vacuum, you are not in control. Things don't look the way they are. Things don't just seem to be the way they should be. 
I want to tell you, you need to take out time. Separate yourself. Be alone and find God there. Like we quoted from the book of Isaiah, he said, uh, uh, in the book of uh, Psalm 46, David said, be still and know that I am God. Because a lot of times it is in those areas of stillness that we find God. You remember the story of Elijah? When he says, all the wild wind, he said, go and go, go look, is there a sign from God? And they went away, they ran all over the place, doing all kinds of things. Oh, he said, uh, this thing, they, they could not find it. But it was just a simple rainbow when they were still. It was in that stillness, that quietness, that God appeared to Elijah and showed him a sign that things had already changed. His life had gone from confusion when he ran from Jezebel to now a, a, a time of dominance, a time of victory, a time of productivity. All right? So he said, be still and know that I'm God. In Isaiah, Isaiah the Bible tells us, he said, in quietness, shall be your strength. In quietness shall be your strength. We need a Sela moment. And not just a Sela moment, we need a series of Sela moments in these times when things don't make sense. Also, we talked about you needing an anchor. From Matthew 26, we saw it there where Jesus talked about, uh, uh, where Jesus told God, he said, not my will, but your will. He has his will. He has what he wanted to do. He has his option. He could have done what he wanted to do. But he said, no, God, in this time of confusion, it is not for me to make decisions because our, our will helps us to make decisions, right? That's our decision areas. And that's one of the problems that we have sometimes. We make decisions when we don't know what is going on, when we don't understand, and we make private and personal decisions. But Jesus said, he said, I am anchoring my will on your will. Because that is, that is what will give me stability. That will, will give me buoyance in this time of confusion, in this time when things are not going right. All right. So this evening, I want to look at another point from the life of Jesus. It, is not, it, it did not appear from that story, but I believe Paul is a writer of, Hebrew, of the book of Hebrews. Other people have different op opinions about that. But Paul, in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 12, gave us an insight into what was going on in the mind of Jesus Christ when things were not working. In that time of his passion, he gave us an insight into the mind of Jesus Christ. And I want us to look at that Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Look at what he said. He said, look at it. He admonished us. He said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Look at that. I want you to look at this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It was in this moment of his passion. Jesus still find time to place his focus on the joy that was set before him. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, what am I trying to say? That when Life does not make sense. You cannot afford to lose your sense of joy. You cannot. I mean, that, that, is, that is critical. And I'll tell you the reason why. Why you, cannot afford to, uh, why you cannot afford to lose your joy. If you read Isaiah 12, verse 3. Can we go to Isaiah 12, verse 3? Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3. Look at what it says. 
Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Can you give me the N, uh, uh, new, uh, N, NIV? Let me get an N, NIV. With joy, no, sorry, the New Living Translation, NLC, that's what I wanted, I, I meant, the New Living Translation. Okay, with joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. With joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. You know, what is this telling us? What is it showing us? What is it trying to help us? Now, we are all born again. We have the salvation of God. We, we are, I mean, there's nothing that will take, up, that will take our salvation. Is this saying you should go back again and, and be born again and have your salvation all over again? That's not what it's saying. But what the scripture is trying to tell us is that wherever you see salvation, whenever salvation appears, there are always certain things that accompany salvation. In other words, your salvation is not limited to you just being on your way to heaven. There are so many things that surround salvation that God wants us to, uh, to explore, to take hold of, to manifest. And in times of crisis, when things don't work, that is when you need to go back to that fountain of salvation and drink and get a fool from the drink of those wells of salvation. We need to revisit those wells of salvation and have a drink. Because at the end of the day, that is one of the things that is going to help us. Now, Paul also, in the book of Hebrews 9, put it this way. Let me, to, to buttress what I'm saying. He put it this way. He said, uh, for, let me give you context first. Paul was talking about, you know, how uh, Christians need to do things and need to, need to conduct themselves well, and he was rebuking some people, all right? So, in, from Hebrews 6, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. Um, he was telling us, Paul was telling us. Or let, let, let me start because I will need to go back there. Uh, from verse 8. Let me, let me look at 8. Let me start from 8. Okay. Uh, sorry, verse 7. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Verse 7. Thank you. Okay. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God. All right, eight. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. Now, verse nine. This is what I wanted to really look at now. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation though we speak in this manner. In other words, there are things that accompany salvation that we need to appropriate to be able to navigate our paths in times when life don't make sense. That is what it means by uh, uh, the wells of salvation. There are things we can get into. There are things that God wants to open our eyes to in terms of the salvation package. And what I'm trying to tell you this evening is this, that it is only with joy that you'll be able to sustain what God is interested in doing in your life. Before I go on to tell you some of the things that are, that are, uh, that are things of salvation that we need to look at this time, 
Uh, let, let me just define uh, what, I, what joy is. Joy is different from happiness, but in my own, this is my own definition. It's not, um, you know, I don't know, but this is just my own uh, definition. And in my own definition, I said, joy is a deep sense of pleasure and satisfaction that is not uh, contingent on our external reality, but it is based on a confident assurance of the goodness of God. In times when you don't understand things, when you don't know things, when life does not make sense, the, the, the worst thing that you can lose is your sense of the goodness of God. That irrespective of the situation that we're in, irrespective of the circumstances that we're in, God is good. And he's good to you always. He knows what you need. He understands what you need. And he's ready to make available his goodness for your, uh, uh, for, your, for, your, for your cause. So he says, joy is, I say joy is a deep sense of pleasure and satisfaction that is not contingent on your external reality, but it is based on a confident assurance of the goodness of the Lord. It is based on the goodness of the Lord. So in essence, what am I saying? The Bible says that one of the ways that Jesus survived that period when things did not make sense to him was that he did not lose a sense of his joy. Yeah. He did not lose a sense of his joy. He was convinced, even though God was, uh, uh, the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, he said God, he said, he said God bruised him. The transgression of our, the, the, the chastisement of our, of our peace was upon him. Yeah. By his stripes we were healed. Even in the midst of that thing, when things did not make sense, Paul is trying to tell us that Jesus did not lose his sense of joy. If we allow the enemy to attack our sense of joy, we begin to understand that we are already on the losing path. But God is not wanting us to be on the losing path. God wants us to be on the, on the, on the path of righteousness, on the winning side. And one of the ways that we can do it in looking at what Jesus did is to be, uh, is not to lose the sense of joy. The sense of joy. Look at what, um, look at what he said again. So um, let me piggyback again to say, to, 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 to help us know what joy does. He said, well, joy, you will draw from the well of salvation. And we say the well of salvation is what Paul was saying again in Hebrews. That, uh, that there are things that accompany salvation, that we, 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 we I mean, we, we, we are thinking better things of you, especially things that pertain to salvation. Now, let's go back to that Hebrews uh, 6, verse 9. What are some of the things that accompany our salvation? That's what I want to look at now. I just want to look at, you know, one or two things that accompany our salvation in this time, and that relates to what we're doing or where we are in our lives at this time. So Hebrews, no, let's look at, let's look at, start again from verse 7. Start again from verse 7, thank you so much. Okay, for the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessings from God. All right, 8. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burnt. Verse 9 now. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Sometimes when you want to uh, uh, understand things, you have to look at things from their contextual view. You have to look at the context of what, uh, 
uh, you're trying to deduce. So what I'm saying is, if you read this scripture from verse 7, the context of what he's saying, if you look at 7 and 8, he was talking about a land and uh, a sower. One land was good, it was productive, and it became a blessing. The other land was bad, and it became uh, a curse. He said it was going to be cursed and all of that. So what the Bible is telling us is that it's, it's, it's trying to help us to understand that the land is us, and the sower, whoever it is, is God. All right? And what it is telling us, the Paul is now telling us in verse 9, that what he described in verse 8 is not who we are. We are not, we don't produce thorns and thistles. He said, we believe better things of you, that you're not going to produce thorns and thistles, but you are going to be productive as the one, as the land, who is, which is in verse 7. All right? In other words, we believe these things about you, and these are the things that help us or these are the things that pertain to salvation. In other words, what is he saying? That one of the things that pertains to salvation, where the Bible says we will draw water out of, the things that we need to draw out of, is that at any time, there's no time in our life, under no circumstance, is God not ready to help us to be productive and to be fruitful. One of the things that accompanies salvation, in essence, is productivity. One of the things that accompanies salvation is productivity. And our salvation is not contingent upon what is happening. Our joy is not contingent upon what is happening. It is contingent upon the goodness of the Lord. In other words, our, good, I mean, our productivity and our fruitfulness is a byproduct of the goodness of God. And when we are connected to God with joy, when joy becomes that source, that thing that we use to bring out and access all those things that pertain to our salvation, then we begin to see that we are fruitful and that we are multiplying like God uh, wanted us uh, to be. So I want you to know that uh, losing your joy in times of crisis is a very bad idea. You have to encourage yourself. How do you do it? Encourage yourself. Look at yourself. Tell yourself that God is still in charge. Amen. God is still in charge. He's still in charge of my life. He knows what I need. It does not matter what I'm going, on, what I'm going through now. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah. Why? Because I have access to the goodness of God. I may not understand what the goodness of God is like right now. I may not be feeling that God is good. But in my mind, in my heart, I am convinced that God is good. Yeah. He knows me. He loves me. He says, the, the, uh, the, the, he, he has my hair, numbers, the number of my hairs, he has. So God is good to me. You have to convince yourself of the goodness of God towards you. If you are able to get to that point where you convince yourself of the goodness of God, you will begin to see that you are being encouraged. And from encouragement, it goes to joy. And from joy, you begin to be uh, able to draw from that goodness of God. You begin to draw from that joy, from that well of salvation, where God is meeting you on that point of fruitfulness. So what am I saying in essence? That we cannot afford to lose our sense of joy. We cannot afford to lose our sense of joy because that's, that joy is what, God, is what God uses to help us to be able to reach into the depths of the fountains of salvation. Now, before, before I go, before I go, I just want to quickly um, 
piggyback, piggyback to another thing again. I want us to revisit that word anchor. I want us to revisit that word anchor. Uh, let's read, let's go uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 6, 19. Let's look at that. I want us to, I want us to read Hebrews 6, 19. And then when I finish this, we'll just wrap up and pray and then we'll go. Hebrews 6, 19. Look at what it says. No, let's go back to, let's go back to, give me from 17, please. Sorry about that. 17. Does God determine to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, of promise, the immutability of his counsel? Confirm this by an oath. All right, 18. That by two immutable things, what are the immutable things? His promise and his oath. There's a promise of God, there's an oath. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation. Look at it, he did not just say we have consolation. He said we might have strong consolation. He qualified it, strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope set before us. All right, 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Why am I going back to this? Because I want us to be able to see some things about anchor. And because you may ask me, uh, you talked about anchor the other day, you talked about anchor on Sunday. How do I, how do I know or what, is, what constitutes the anchor? How do I know, uh, you know, I'm attached to the anchor of God or the anchor of God is attached to me and, and, and my life? I want you to know something. There are two things that he said there. One of it is hope. When things are not going right, you cannot afford to lose hope. You must maintain your hope. The Bible says, as far as the living is concerned, there is hope for him. You know why? Because a living dog is better than a dead lion. As long as there is life, if you have life, you are breathing, you wake up every day, you can speak, you can talk, you can walk, there is hope for you. What qualifies you for the hope of God is not what you do, is that you have life. Once life is present, you are qualified for God's hope. And when that hope is there, that is what the promise of God latches on. The promise of God for you latches on the hope that you have. If you lose hope, it does not matter how strong the promise of God concerning you is. You are not going to be able to appropriate it. That's why the Bible tells us that even faith, it said faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, hope is one of the things that constitutes the anchor of God upon your life. Number two thing that constitutes the anchor that you must know is trust. He said, for God, he said, God willing to show the immutability of his promise to the heirs. 
there's an immutability of God's promise to us. There's in the immutability. You know, the immutability means it cannot change. When something is mutable, it means it changes. But when something is immutable, it means it remains constant, it remains consistent. All right? So when things remain constant and consistent, for things to remain constant and consistent, right, we must be able to trust in the immutability of the hope that God has set before us. What is trust? Trust and belief are the same, uh, on the same level, but they are, they're a little different. Belief is just, you know, you just accept something that, that it is. But trust comes with relationship. When you leave that early stage of belief, another, in other words, trust is another level or another phase of belief. And it comes with a relationship. It comes with, uh, 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 it, it comes with, you, with experience. It comes with a relationship that's based on experience. So when I say I trust God, or when I say I trust my wife, right, it means that I have lived with her, I have seen certain things that she has done, and I know what she can do and what she cannot do. And because of that, based on that, I trust him. What am I saying? For us to get into that position of trust, where we trust God, I want you to take stock of your life. Look at your life. Has God ever been good to me? Have I ever experienced the goodness of God? Do I know what the goodness of the Lord is? If your answer is yes, then you can bank on him. That's why Proverbs said, he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I want you to know this morning that when you trust God, when trust becomes a, a reality in your life, you begin to anchor your life on what that hope is. And finally, as I close, another thing about anchor is confidence. That God wants us to be confident of what he has said and what he has promised. I don't know what God has promised you. I don't know what you are still believing God for. But I'm telling you that life not making sense does not negate what God has said or what God has promised you. Life not making sense is all going to come together at the end of the day. And you will see God working in your life because you have confidence. He said, cast not away your confidence for they have a just recompense of reward. Whatever it is you are believing God for, are you still, are you believing God for your job? Are you believing God for your children? Are you believing God to fulfill something in your life? I want to tell you that no matter what Corona is doing, it is not the end of your hope. It is not the end of the promise of God because God's promises still remain no matter what. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you again for your word that has come to us. Thank you for joy and thank you, O oh God, for the things you are doing in our lives. Help us to be able to come to a point where we trust you enough based on the relationship that we've had with you. That we have been able to build memorials in the things that you have done for us. And as we go back in our minds and visit those memorials of your goodness in our lives, we'll be able to develop hope, we'll be able to develop uh, our trust, and we'll be able to develop confidence that will help us in these seasons that we're in. We'll give you praise and we'll bless you. We'll glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
I, I also want to encourage you, you know, uh, we have all uh, methods of, you know, that you can use in supporting us financially, your gifts and your generosity. Uh, you can go online and, and, and look at all those our methods, cash app, and, um, and also check is good. You can mail it to our address and um, we'll definitely get those, uh, uh, this thing. So you can pay through check. Uh, you can pay online through PayPal and Kindred, and that is uh, at Workfund uh, USA slash Eve. And uh, you can give by text, and you can give by Cash App, which is uh, dollar sign Workfund. Thank you so much, and God bless you. We'll see you on Friday.